Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Speech Analysis on the Public Speaker Podcast. On today's speech analysis, we're doing a pretty cool speech. It is called All It Takes is 10 Mindful Minutes by Andy Pudicombi, and this is a TEDx talk. Um, this is a really cool talk. I would definitely recommend watching the video for this because uh, Andy is juggling in this talk, and he's kind of making a metaphor between the use of juggling and the idea of like responsibilities in your life that you also have to juggle. Um, I think it was really impressive how he maintains his focus on the items that he's juggling without messing up at all, but also giving a public speech. Uh, giving a public speech is hard. Juggling is hard. Doing both at the same time is ridiculous. Um, so this was a pretty awesome speech um, and a good use of visual aids. Uh, main takeaway from this is if you want to use a visual aid, how to sort of uh, analyze and give value to the visual aid that correlates with your speech. It's kind of like making your objects or props, whatever you're using, um, have some type of meaning and purpose outside of just the objects and props, but rather what do they mean in the metaphorical sense of the, the words that you say, which is always an impressive thing to do when you're trying to incorporate or implement uh, a visual aid into your talk so i definitely enjoyed the speech i hope you guys enjoyed this analysis his voice is very calm and soothing as well so it doesn't get super frantic or anything he keeps a very sort of steady uh enunciation and, and fluency of his voice throughout the entirety of the speech and uh, with that and juggling it sort of overall comes to a really nice awesome product so i hope you guys enjoy and let's get into the talk we live in an incredibly busy world the the pace of life is often frantic, our minds are always busy, and we're always doing something. So with that in mind, I'd like you just to take a moment to think, when did you last take any time to do nothing? So this is the beginning of the speech. Again, I really like to analyze how speeches start at the beginning and how public speakers captivate their audience's attention immediately. So what we see that he is doing is that he bluntly sort of states the proposition that will uh, frame the rest of his speech, which is that uh, we are living in a constant world and everything is moving very quickly. And then he asks the audience a question, which is his main point of interaction to get the speech started, to get people to really care about what he's going to say, which is when is the last time that we've been able to do nothing? Just 10 minutes, undisturbed. And when I say nothing, I do mean nothing. So that's no emailing, texting, no internet, no TV, no chatting, no eating, no reading. Not even sitting there reminiscing about the past or planning for the future. Simply doing nothing. I see a lot of very blank faces. <laughs> My thinking is it's probably have to go a long way back. And this is an extraordinary thing, right? We're talking about our mind. The mind, our most valuable and precious resource through which we experience every single moment of our life. The mind that we rely upon to be happy, content, emotionally stable as individuals, and at the same time to be kind and thoughtful and considerate in our relationships with others. This is the same mind that we depend upon to be focused, creative, spontaneous, and to perform at our very best in everything that we do. So what he's doing right here is setting up the importance and significance of using the mind uh, in the way that we use it, which is why he's listing off all of these examples for why our minds are relevant or why our minds are important. Because the question about when's the last time you did nothing is going to set up a uh, framework to be able to relax our minds or, or create the significance and importance of why we have to relax our minds given how much our minds are responsible for doing in terms of our livelihood, our health, and our living our daily lives. And yet, we don't take any time out to look after it. 
In fact, we spend more time looking after our cars, our clothes, and our hair than we... Okay, maybe not our hair, but <laughs> you see where I'm going. The, the result, of course, is that we get stressed. You know, the mind whizzes away like a washing machine going round and round, lots of difficult, confusing emotions. And we don't really kind of know how to deal with that. And the, the sad fact is that we are so distracted that we're no longer present in the world in which we live. We miss out on the things that are most important to us. And the crazy thing is that everybody just assumes, well, that's the way life is, so we just kind of got to get on with it. But that's really not how it has to be. So I was about 11 when I went along to my first. Here is where he's going to start the transition into a personal experience. So he asked a question, got the audience engaged, got them to thinking about uh, the answer to the question, then explained the, uh, the importance of why he asked the question in the per first place, which is that we care more about our hair than our minds. It's probably true. And then he's going into his personal experience, which will start setting up the rest of the speech. So if you're confused on how to sort of structure a public speech or like how public speech speakers like sound really cool, it's because there's usually a, a, a cohesive structure to what they're going to do in their speech, but it seems seamless. It seems very natural the way they're doing it, which allows them the authenticity of being like a good public speaker. Meditation class. And trust me, it had all the stereotypes that you can imagine, the sitting cross-legged on the floor, the incense, the herbal tea, the vegetarians, the whole deal. But um, my mom was going, and I was intrigued, so I went along with her. I'd also seen a few kung fu movies, and secretly I kind of thought I might be able to learn how to fly, but I was very young <laughs> at the time, you know. Now, as I was there, you know, I guess like a lot of people, I assumed that it was just an aspirin for the mind. You get stressed, you do some meditation. I hadn't really thought that it could be sort of preventative in nature. Until I was about sort of 20, when a number of things happened in my life in quite quick succession. Really serious things, which just flipped my life upside down. And all of a sudden, I was inundated with thoughts, inundated with difficult emotions that I didn't know how to cope with. Every time I sort of pushed one down, another one would just sort of pop back up again. It was a really very stressful time. I guess we all deal with stress in different ways. Some people will bury themselves in work, grateful for the, the distraction. Others will turn to their friends, their family, looking for support. Some people hit the bottle, start taking medication. My own way of dealing with it was to become a monk. So I quit my degree. I headed off to the Himalayas. I became a monk, and I started studying meditation. People often ask me you know, what I learned from that time. Well, obviously it changed things, you know. Let's face it, becoming a celibate monk is going to change a number of things. But it was more than that, you know. It, it taught me, it gave me a greater appreciation and understanding for the present moment. By that, I mean not being. This is really important because this is where he's bringing his personal experience to start making sense with the theme of his speech. So at the beginning of the speech, he was like, the mind is... Uh, the, the, the mind is something we need to care about and the mind is something that we overlook because of stress and like our fast-paced world. Then he goes into a personal experience about him literally dropping out of college to go become a monk in which only thing they're focused on is sort of mind tactics and letting go of their ego, things of that nature. This is where the personal experience has actual relevance and significance to the theme of the speech and this makes speeches 1,000 times better. I've seen a lot of speeches where people just 
like bring up a personal experience that maybe is tangentially related to what is being talked about, um, but, but usually has no real importance. The, 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 the value of talking about yourself in a room full of people who probably don't really care about you is if you can make a connection between yourself and the theme and purpose of your speech. And if you can do that in a very symbiotic way, there's a good chance that your audience cares more deeply about the content of your speech. Lost in thought, not being distracted, not being overwhelmed by difficult emotions, but instead learning how to be in the here and now, how to be mindful, how to be present. I think the present moment is so underrated. It sounds so ordinary. And yet we spend so little time in the present moment that it's anything but ordinary. There was a, a research paper that came out of Harvard just recently. Here he's transitioning to a statistic or a current event. So he said there's a research paper that came out of Harvard. There's going to be some value in this example as well to prove his point. So as you can see, the speech is, is going forward and forward by bringing up new things to say, new content that adds value to the macro level purpose of the entire speech, which is that we need to live in the present moment, care about our minds, etc. They said, on average, our minds are lost in thought almost 47% of the time. 47%. At the same time, this sort of constant mind wandering is also a direct cause of unhappiness. Now, we're not here for that long anyway. But to spend almost half of our life lost in thought and potentially quite unhappy, I don't know. It's just, it kind of seems tragic, actually, especially when there's something we can do about it. When there's a, a positive, practical, achievable, scientifically proven technique which allows our mind to be more healthy, to be more mindful and less distracted. And the beauty of it is that even though it kind of need only take about 10 minutes a day, it impacts our entire life. But we need to know how to do it. We need an exercise. We need a framework to learn how to be more mindful. That's essentially what meditation is. It's familiarizing ourselves with the present moment. But we also need to know how to approach it in the right way to get the best from it. And that's what these are for, in case you've been wondering. So now he sort of states the obvious, uh, talking about the uh, juggling balls or tomatoes or I really don't know what those are to be honest um, but I was also wondering why he had them in his hand um, so this is uh, incorporating objects and props we did a uh, series on this and a video and article you can all check it out on the channel um, but he's going to be incorporating these objects and props I think he's going to juggle them I, I, I don't remember I think I watched this before but I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to juggle them um, in a way that makes it interesting and adds value to what he's talking about because most people assume that meditation is all about sort of stopping thoughts, getting rid of emotions, somehow controlling the mind. But actually, it's quite different from that. It's more about sort of stepping back, sort of seeing the thought clearly, witnessing it coming and going, emotions coming and going without judgment, but with a relaxed... The ball represented a thought. So obviously, he already began implementing uh, and assigning value to the objects and props that he's using on stage and then incorporating them via some type of performance in the actual speech. Focused mind. So for example, right now, if I focus too much on the balls, then there's no way that I can relax and talk to you at the same time. Equally, if I relax too much talking to you, then there's no way I can focus on the balls. I'm going to drop them. Now in life, 
and in meditation, there'll be times when the focus becomes a little bit too intense and life starts to feel a bit like this. It's a very uncomfortable way to live life. I mean, Again, using the entire visual aids and the, 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 the way his body is moving to exemplify the words where he's saying. So when he's tensing up his shoulders and talking about uncomfortable, there's a, co there's a correlation there which adds value and makes the audience members understand what message he's trying to communicate. Get this tight and stressed. At other times, we might take our foot off the gas a little bit too much and things just become a sort of bit like this. And of course, in meditation, we can end up falling asleep. So we're looking for a balance of focus relaxation where we can allow thoughts to come and go without all the usual involvement. Now, what usually happens when we're learning to be mindful is that we get distracted by a thought. Let's say this is an anxious thought. So everything's going fine and then we see the anxious thought and it's like, oh, didn't realize I was worried about that. You go back to it, repeat it. Oh, I am worried. Oh, I really am worried. Wow, there's so much anxiety. And before we know it, right, we're anxious about feeling anxious. You know, this is crazy. We do this all the time, even on an everyday kind of level. If you think about the last time, I don't know, you had a wobbly tooth. You know it's wobbly and you know that it hurts. But what do you do every 20, 30 seconds? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It does hurt. And we reinforce. Using body movement again to exemplify what he's talking about with the tooth. Um, and then showcasing why that means we're anxious to be anxious. The storyline, right? And we just keep telling ourselves. And we do it all the time. And it's only in learning to watch the mind in this way that we can start to let go of those storylines and patterns of mind. But when you sit down and you watch the mind in this way, you might see many different patterns. You might find a mind that's really sort of restless and the whole time. You know, don't be surprised if you feel a bit agitated in your body when you sit down to do nothing and your mind feels like that. You might find a mind that's very sort of dull and boring and it's just almost mechanical. It just sort of seems it's as if you're just sort of getting up, going to work, eat, sleep, get up, up. Or it might just be that one little nagging thought that just goes round and round and round to your mind. Whatever it is, meditation offers the opportunity, the potential to step back and to get a different perspective, to see. So here he named a bunch of examples and concluded with no matter what problem you're having, whether you're too anxious or too bored or taking life as it comes, there is a solution to those problems. So he's offering solvency, which is uh, sort of, again, bringing more value to the audience by saying, look, all of you in the audience probably have had some variation of this problem. Here is an effective way to solve it. And then he's communicating why it's an effective way to prove his message. The things aren't always as they appear. You know, we can't change every little thing that happens to us in life, but we can change the way that we experience it. That's the potential of meditation, of mindfulness. You don't have to burn any incense and you definitely don't have to sit on the floor. All you need to do is to take 10 minutes out a day to step back, to familiarize yourself with the present moment so that you get to experience a greater sense of focus, calm and clarity in your life. Thank you very much. Cool, so that was All It Takes uh, is 10 Mindful Minutes by Andy Pudikambi.
Again, I think I'm saying it right. I think this was a good overall speech that implemented visual aids in a really good way. Again, this was juggling, so there's tons of different visual aids and I talked about it a lot on the channel. Um, but juggling's a really hard thing to do, especially while you're trying to communicate a message publicly and juggle at the same time. It probably requires a very intense level of focus, but the different variations of juggling he was doing also made it very easy for the audience and seamless uh, for them to relate with what he was talking about. So this is a really good way to implement a visual aid. It wasn't super dangerous. It wasn't like going into the crowd or anything. It was just him doing what he knew how to do best, which is juggle and also communicate. So thank you guys. If you liked that video, please like and subscribe. If you got any value out of this video, leave a speech in the comments for me to analyze and I will definitely analyze it. So thanks for watching and I'll see you guys next time. Bye.